Hello, friends. I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. I want to talk to you this morning about God's nature. We're in this series, Experiencing God. And in order to experience God, we must be familiar with His nature. Who is God? And I want to present to you this morning that a lot of times God's nature gets tangled up in so many other things. And it's important to untangle. You know, um, I don't know if you have a struggle with the headphone wires. Trying to untangle headphone wires, like you have to have a PhD <laughs> to untangle headphone wires. It's like that will test your holiness, headphone wires. And a lot of times I see that's what happens to the nature of God. It gets tangled up with our sin and people's opinions and, yeah. and theologies and denominations and all the stuff. And next thing you know, you have this mess in our hands. But I believe it's not as complicated as we make it to be. You know, once we understand what he has already said about himself. And that's why we need experiences, not just he said or she said. Amen? Amen. And so I pray today that that we're able to untangle some wires and have a better understanding of God's nature by experience. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I want to remind you that we're trying to tackle this series from three angles. We're going to do some talks on this thing for the next few weeks. I encourage you to buy the book. We have the books today on sale. Um, can you go to those three angles that we're doing? Um, the book's called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I believe something powerful happens when you seek God on Sunday, but then you continue to seek him during the week. Right. And then you have the cruise. You know, the cruise is a chance for you to, to, to dissect, to ask questions, to pray, to wrestle with other believers who are on the same journey with you. Yeah. And, and we've made sure we have enough cruise for everybody. And I would love to see all of us as a church to go on this journey together on all three angles. Can you say amen? Are you in? Are you in? And so that's, that's the goal. Our desire is that by the time the series ends, that you can have your own personal experiences with God. Whether you've been in church for one day or been in church for 100 years, God is vast. He wants to display his glory, his goodness to all of us, and he does it in unique ways. You know, all of us are unique in his heart. In his mind. And I pray today you get to understand it a little bit more as we dig deeper here. You guys ready to go to work for a little bit? Uh, this morning, First John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. This is real love. Y'all don't feel tempted to go there like, this is real love. Oh. Okay. That's why we sing in the shower. (laughs) We sound so much better in the shower. You know, you just... (laughs) 
one of these days, I'll, I'll lead worship. Just, we'll never have worship again. Um, <clears throat> now that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins, can you say amen? amen. Experiencing God. You know, when it comes to experiences, I, I think one of the greatest life experiences is when you become a parent. How many parents do I have in the house? That's awesome. Yeah, what's tough for parents? Parents are good. <laughs> How many of you guys were born? Um, <laughs> it's one of the greatest joys in life, one of the greatest excitements in life is to see a child be born. I mean, I don't think there's not one experience that brings out so many different emotions all at once. Right? We've had five children, and I've had the privilege to be there for all five of them, and none of it gets old. Right? It's fascinating that each time you go through the process, it's like you're going through it for the first time. And I'm just a dad. You know, never mind what the women are going through. But just from my perspective, I think it's one of the greatest experiences in life. Like the rages of emotion that you experience in that one moment is, is supernatural, to say the least. That, that how is it that you can, you, can, you can be in a moment that is so disgusting, but so beautiful all at the same time? Like, it's amazing. Like... That moment is so terrifying and so joy-feeling all at the same time. Like it's so messy, but it's so perfect all at the same time. Yeah, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it's amazing. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a supernatural experience to say the least. And, and what blows my mind about the whole thing is that this baby is born, like this baby that, that you never met before, this baby that all of a sudden shows up, is a stranger in your life, and, all, and automatically you fall in love with that baby. Like automatically, it's an instant thing, right? Isn't that incredible that this is a stranger who just invaded your life? <laughs> like we don't know each other. Right? Like, he, he doesn't know me. I don't know you. And you just showed up. I mean, you didn't just show up. We don't have time to go into the birds and the bees. But, you know, um, you get what I'm saying? But all of a sudden, you have this creature in front of you. And, and automatically, your feeling is to love this baby. Like, that's supernatural. Because we don't work like that. Usually, you don't meet people and you go, I just love you. Usually we're like, get away from me. But with a baby, it's like an automatically thing. Like, like you're meant to love this baby. And, and, and for you guys that have more than one children, isn't it amazing? That same feeling rushes over you every single time. Like, how is that possible to love total strangers? Which, 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 which really messes me up is this, is that they don't even do anything. They don't do anything. And they don't do anything for a long time. <laughs> it's not like a day or two. Like, it's a long time. But isn't it amazing that you would stare at this baby for hours and not get bored? Like, it's like watching the, 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 the like, it's like watching the fishing channel. 
There's nothing happening. Right? But you're like mesmerized by this baby. And, and all they're doing is sleeping. And you're like, look at that. Isn't that amazing? And then you start making things up like, oh, you just smile at me. Come on, have you done that? You're like, you just want to do something so bad. You're like, that's a smile. That's a, no, I'm telling you. You call the other parent. You, no, no, that was a smile. Smile at me first. Hey, you try to make the baby do stuff. You try to make the baby say stuff. Like us dad, we're like, you got to say dad first. Dad, dad. Hey, isn't it fascinating what this creature that just showed up in your life just brings so much joy, so much excitement, and he hasn't done a thing. And he hasn't done a thing, and he won't do anything until he's like 25. <laughs> you know, the way the millennials are set up. <laughs> he won't be doing nothing for a while. But you just love this baby to pieces and and you would do anything for this little baby like there's nothing a parent would not do for their child and 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 worse is when they get sick and you feel just so broken and you wish you can take that on you like I know for sure parents would replace that in a heartbeat if they could when your kid is sick, and especially when you're playing guessing games, you're trying to figure out what it is. They can't say what it is. And all the parents become doctors. Like, automatically, parents are doctors. Like, parents are so good at knowing, like, that's an ear infection. And sure enough, you go to the doctor, that's an ear infection. It's just confirmation. I already knew it. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's one of the greatest experiences in life. I pray all of us get to experience that sometime in life. You know, get married, have babies. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Right? And, 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 and here's the thing. This kid is about to bring so much work into your life. And you love it. Like usually when people bring work to you, you're You're mad. But this kid who hasn't done anything is about to live rent-free in your house. And you're happy about it. Like, he's about to jack up your bills with diapers and formula and, and baby visits. And, 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 you know, and, 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 you know, they don't make anything cheap for babies. Like, they don't do anything, but they have the most expensive furniture. Why, why is that? Right? Like, there's nothing you're going to buy for a baby that's less than $200. Some reason, $200 is like the cap that they've decided. You need a crib, $250. You know, like this. But here's the thing. We do it gladly because we love that baby so much. Right? It's, it's supernatural, the love that a parent would have for a child. And, and I would present to you this morning that that is the closest thing for us to understand what unconditional love feels like and looks like. Because everything else that we know is very conditional. Right? But when it comes to a baby who can't do anything for you, you have the most unconditional love for this baby. There's sometimes I hear parents say, like, even when they grow up and they're 25 and they're still trying to figure out life, and, and you just want to, like... But you see that baby again, 
They're 25, but you're still seeing Goo Goo Gaga. You still, like, want to pinch the cheeks, and you still want to, like, love them. And they're like, Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm 26. I present to you this morning, church, that, that that is the closest thing for us on this side of earth to understand God's love. That it is unconditional the way we feel the love that we feel for a brand new born baby. Think about it for a second. That is, I believe that's God's way of giving us a glimpse into his heart. That's God's way of saying, look... I'm the creator, and I put creative abilities inside of you for you to be able to experience a little bit what I experienced for my end as a creator God. That that is the closest thing to that. Because think about it, right? God created us. We can't do anything for God. God creates you, and he delights over you, the Bible says. Like he rejoices over you. Like when he was creating everything, he said he was good, but then he created man. He said, this is very good. So this is, this is God the Father seeing a newborn going, ha ha, this is awesome. Angels, look at this. This is our best one yet. Right? That's how God feels about you. That's how God feels about every single person. Because here's the thing. God doesn't give love. God is love. Right? He doesn't give it. Right? Because then the problem is as we grow up from this baby, we begin to see that unfortunately that unconditional love begins to now become conditioned. Isn't it interesting that this baby that you would do anything for all of a sudden grows up now. He has free will and he has choices. And now things begin to get a little bit more complicated in how you love this child. You want to love this child. But now this child has the ability to make choices. And so now we begin to put conditions on the love. At one time it would be anything. Now it's like, let's, let's, let's look at this thing a little bit closer. But I want to present to you that, that, that God is not human. So, so God's love does not translate into humanity's love sometimes because we have conditions on our love. God has unconditional love. And I think he allows us to experience parenthood to say, listen, that's how I love you. Right? That's how I love you. I don't put conditions on how I love you. I just love you because I am love. I'm not trying to love you. You see, as we grow up, conditions begin to come into our life, and love becomes more about what are the conditions behind the scenes, unfortunately. But you get to kindergarten, there are conditions there. If you don't share with me, I am not your friend anymore. And then we'll begin to learn, wait, oh, that's how I get love. If I give you my apple juice, then we're cool. Right? And, then, and then the sad part is that becomes now a pattern of our lives. We begin to see where's the condition. Where do I find the line? Where do I find the thing? So that means, you know, if I give you my this, then you give me that. And if you don't give you that, then therefore that, that you know, we begin to play these games. It becomes a psychological way of loving, but it's really conditional love. It's not true love anymore because true love has no conditions. And our whole society is based on conditions. 
If you work really hard for 40 hours, you know, there's a condition that you will receive love in a form of a paycheck at the end of the week. And if you work really hard, you might get some overtime love. And if you keep working really hard, you might climb the ladder a little bit more. And if you keep climbing the ladder a little bit more, you might be able to produce more love. And, and, and at the end of the day, when you keep producing more love, one day you'll be able to accomplish all your dreams and then die. That's the reality of society we live in, and there's some merit to that. We, I don't have time for that today, but what I'm trying to get today, church, is that when it comes to the love of God, it's very different from what society displays to us. When it comes to the love of God, unfortunately, there's been some obstacles that we have to fight through to really get to the real love. That's why the Bible says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. So the the great merit is not on us, it's on him. For loving people that are so filled with conditions. The worst part is, I hope you're tracking with me today, is as we grow up and we see conditions, even church has conditions. It's a very unfortunate thing that, that some churches have certain conditions of what it means to love God. And we have created doctrines around these things we we we've said things like you know if you truly love god then you wouldn't talk like that if you truly love god you wouldn't wear that if you truly love god you wouldn't see that if you truly love god you wouldn't behave like that and so what happens is love becomes equated with behavior and so what happens is now i find myself buying into the conditions of something that god never co-signed And that's where we get the word legalism from. Instead of loving God out of the deep desires of my heart to be in relationship with him, now I try to figure out, okay, what are the parameters for me to be able to fit in into this thing that they call love? Like, maybe I shouldn't wear pants. Maybe I shouldn't cut my hair. Maybe I shouldn't get this tattoo. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe if I say all the right things. Maybe if I lift my hands. Maybe Maybe if I tithe. Maybe if I pray. You know, if I read my Bible, then maybe God will love me. And what happens is now our soul is caked up in conditions. And it's a sad reality of what we reduce God's love to. I want to present to you this morning, there's a difference between works and God's love. There's a difference between legalism and grace. And there's a difference between... Religion based on fear versus relationship. Most people know fear. They don't know relationship. And and, and in order, church, I hope you're tracking because I'm going to go very slow today. In order for us to get to the real love, because he said this is real love. Why does he say that? Because there are some bootleg versions. This is real Jordans. (laughs) This is a real cereal. (laughs) Because there are bootleg versions. The Bible wouldn't say this is real love if there wasn't some ones that are not real. And so in order to get to that, I have to deconstruct some things that God never said was love. Now, this is a hard message because we're hardwired for conditions. So I need, I pray this gets in your spirit. Because you won't get in your head. It won't, it, won't, it won't make sense. It doesn't make sense. 
If I preach this the right way, you should walk away saying it doesn't make sense. If I, if I preach it the right way, because I have conditions too. That's the unfortunate thing. And I, and, I, and I think you'll realize that by now that even here, we don't bat a thousand. Even here, we don't get it right. Right? But let's be careful. Just because there's conditions, let's be careful not to throw the baby out. Because we love the baby. We just don't like the water, but we love the baby. Right? We, we love the baby. We just have to be careful that we don't let the water become the thing. Because sometimes in this journey, the water becomes the focus. Look how water is. It's, it's not white enough. It's, 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 it's not colorful enough. It's, it's not clean enough. As opposed to, what about the baby? The focus is the baby. Right? A lot of times when you hear people talk about God, they're not talking about God. They're talking about all the conditions that have been put around God, not God himself. Do you ever have a conversation with someone about God and you say, hey, man, uh, how's your relationship with God? Oh, yeah. Man, I was an altar boy. <laughs> I've been catechized. Like, I didn't ask you about your religious resume. I said, how's your love for God? How's your relationship with God? We confuse the conditions with God himself. As if God is in heaven going, oh, he got baptized. That's good. Oh, man, look, he gave today. Awesome. No, those are conditions that we have put on this thing, right? And so we have to work through some of this stuff. And I would present to you that some of the stuff we have to work through, we have to deconstruct an idea of God versus the reality of God. Man, that's so deep. I don't know if we can do that. You can't do that in one day. I've been working with him for 20 years, and I'm still like, what is it, God? Help me get to it. Help me to filter through the fog so I can get to the real love. You ever watch HDTV? My wife loves HDTV. She loves to see the process of, you know, taking a home that's messed up and, and de-gut the whole thing and cut the whole thing and, and start over. And I'm like, I don't know what the point is. Let's get to the new house. <laughs> but there's a spiritual element to that that God says, I have to get rid of the old to bring the new. Like, you can't add on the new without getting rid of the old. And so we got to work through the old, church. Now, let me maybe practical. The old means there are some conditions that you grew up with that that doesn't necessarily translate into the way God thinks about you. The first image of God that we all have, whether you understand that directly or indirectly, is how your parents treated you. Because remember, they're the co-creators with God. They're supposed to show you unconditional love. And unfortunately, a lot of us grew up in situations where it was all about conditions. I remember one time, one of my students said to me, my mom used to tell me, if I don't behave, God will throw rocks at me. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to call the CYF. (laughs) That's spiritual abuse. But seriously, though, all joking aside, a lot of us have the wrong distorted view of love because our parents didn't know how to give us unconditional love. And I want to take, get them off the hook because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Hurt people just hurt people. Sometimes they, they just projected what was projected on them, and they never worked it out, and so they just passed it down. But then God gives you a revelation that that's not how it works. So you don't have to resent them. You don't have to be angry at them. You have to forgive them and, and, and have a new understanding. And so some of us now that we're parents, we have to work through that to not repeat the cycle. 
But to say, God, you, you have shown me that you love me unconditionally. Now put that on me so that I can display that to my children. So my children can have a better understanding of who you are from an early age. That's why being a parent is, is a great privilege. But it's an also responsibility. That, the, that your, your quote-unquote God right now to a lot of your children... That's the first revelation of love that they'll understand. Right? And so we have to break that down in order to get something new. And then, unfortunately, a lot of us grew up in churches where we have to work through some of that weird theology. And I, and I want to leave all the churches off the hook because everybody's trying their best. And so maturity is you gotta you gotta get past your resentment. You gotta get past your anger. You gotta get past your fears. You gotta get past, you gotta forgive because you're not forgiving for them. You are releasing yourself from the bitterness, from the anger. Because a lot of churches would say you are loved by God because you behaved. The problem is that's not biblical. It doesn't make any sense. Let me just give you one example. The Bible says this in Romans. Look, it's a beautiful thing that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still in our mess. While we were still pooping in our diapers. Like, while we were still waking up in the middle of the night. While we were still crying. While we were still trying to figure things out. He's the one that came into your room and cuddled you and, and rescued you and loved you for who you are in your state of infancy. He didn't wait for you to get your act together. Can you imagine a parent telling a baby, get yourself together. <laughs> then come see me. Stop pooping in your diaper. <laughs> sometimes that's how God speaks to me is when I'm talking to my children he says what about you though I tell you the greatest conviction of love is through children that's why Jesus said the kids get it the kids get it you see how quickly kids forgive that messes me up sometimes I'm still convicted like hi oh, man I yelled too much and they just come in and hugging you don't you think that's God saying you knucklehead I love you just the same why don't you be like that kid? Like, you know God is messing with you. He's like, why don't you be like your four-year-old? Look how quickly he forgives. Look how quickly he moves on. Like, you're still, like, nagging with it, and they're, like, watching cartoons. Hi, Dad. Have some bootleg cereal. Here's my prayer, church. Here's my prayer. I hope we can accomplish this today. My prayer is when we come to this church, we can take the pressure off. That's my prayer. I pray that we can take the pressure off. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to get it all together. You don't have to put on a front. You don't have to pretend you don't have poopy diapers on. Let the Holy Spirit change your diaper. Let the Holy Spirit change your heart. Let the Holy Spirit have his way with your life. Because we know we all smell, <laughs> being honest. You know, nothing, the other kid that is like poop his diaper is trying to pretend. That's how I see religious people, all stiff. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. I got a poopy diaper. It's a holy diaper though. Holy. It's very Holy. 
I think there's too much pressure in the world for us to bring it into the church. The church is supposed to be a pressure-free zone. Now, yes, of course you don't stay a baby. Of course you grow. But as you grow, let's grow in grace, not in legalism. Let's grow in love. Because if I have a poopy diaper, who am I to be calling out your poopy diaper? Isn't it funny? You got a poopy diaper. Yeah, but you're looking weird. How am I looking right now? <laughs> oh, God is love. He doesn't give love. You don't earn it. You don't make a baby earn love. He is love. We have to deconstruct these theologies. We all have them. I grew up in a great church, but he didn't bat a thousand. But I'm not mad. I'm not resentful. They did the best they could. We're doing the best we can. Sometimes we get it wrong because we're still conditions. See, this is stuff I have to keep always wash off of me because it's easy to get kicked up in legalism. So I have to keep checking my heart constantly to make sure, is this the right motive? Is this the right intention? Is this the right approach? Because sometimes we get it wrong. I get it wrong. I hope you understand that. But I hope there's enough grace to go around. I hope there's enough grace for all of us. Because I get to do this up here. So much easier to look at someone that's on display. <laughs> Isn't it funny how quickly it is to, to blast people who are public figures? But we have the same struggles. Just as some people, their hairs is on display. Look. But, but if we're all gathered the camera and walked around your life 24 hours a day, we might see a lot of poopy diapers. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? When the love of God hits your heart, you just, you just want to share it. You want others to experience that. Listen. The obstacles to God's love is the upbringing. It's the religion of fear. It's conditional love. Theologian Dallas Willard said something powerful. He said this. He said, look, we must come to an awareness in our minds concerning the nature of God. That is, we must think about God in ways that match what God is like. To get to that point, it takes a lot of undoing to say, God, reveal yourself to me in a new way. Sometimes people say, here's how we did it at our church. Yeah, but just because you did it that way doesn't mean it matches. This is how my parents did it. Well, doesn't mean it matches. If you're trying to raise your kids the way your parents did without filtering some things, there's a lack of growth there. Because I don't think any parent bats a thousand. The things we have to filter through. Some things that people have said to you about God that doesn't match what God says about you. And so we have work to do if we're serious about experiencing the love of God. John gives us a great insight into this. As he continues his letter, he said this, right, about God's love. He said, we know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Now, the key thing here, look, John says, we've put our trust in his love. There comes a point in all of our lives 
that we're going to have to decide to put our trust in God's love. Not in how we feel. Not what was spoken over us. Not in our performance. Because if God loves you based on your performance, then that's condition. If he doesn't love you just because he's love, then we still haven't arrived yet. Like I said, if I preach this the right way, we should walk away feeling like, I don't get it. Because it doesn't make sense. It's too good to be true. The grace of God. Makes absolutely no sense. It levels the playing field. Like, anytime you're sliding with your resume, you still don't get it. There's no resume to be having. It's about trust. It's about trust. At the heart of every relationship that's beautiful, there's trust there. There's a trust level where, where I don't have to feel like I have to earn your approval. That's the worst feeling in the world, I think. To always feel like, did I do it right? Are we good? Did I say the right thing? Did I offend you? Did I hurt you? Did I upset you? Are we, are we good? Like, that is the pressures that we need to take off of life so we can actually enjoy life. That's why most religious people don't enjoy life. It's too much parameters. It's, we become robotic about life. You know? It's a trust level. You know you arrive at the love of God when you dropped your resume. And you just say, I trust your love. I trust your goodness. I trust your grace. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. But I receive it. I receive your love. Man, there's so much freedom in that. I just receive your goodness. Why? Because the cross has convinced me that you love me. The cross is the most convincing thing that God loves you. Because he's not thinking about doing it. He's already done it. He's already done it. The cross is a done deal. It's a settled thing, right? So think about this, right? If that's true, if the, God, if the cross has convinced me that God is love, then, then when I trust his love, then it's easy for me to trust his will. Are you tracking? Think about it, right? In any relationship, if I don't trust you, how do I trust your will? Everything starts with trust. If I trust you, I'm not questioning your motives. If I trust you, I'm not questioning your intentions. There's nothing worse, right? They'd be looking around. Any knives on my back? There's nothing worse. And we do it in church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, pastor. Come on. We're in church, but let's be real for a second. Let's be real. It's conditions. If I preach a message that suits your soul, man, that's awesome. But if I preach a message that nags at your soul, think about that. Conditions. Right? But there's something powerful when we begin to trust. See, I don't know about you. I don't want to just trust God. I want to trust people. Right? I want to be able to be in relationships that you can be you and I can be me. And we have to trust one another in this thing because we're growing on the same thing. We want the same things. We want the same exact things. So if I can trust his love, I can trust his will because his will is good. Right? The Bible says even when he disciplines you, he loves you. 
And how do I trust his discipline? Because I trust his love. Why does a parent discipline? Because you love your kid. You don't discipline your kid because you hate him. The best parents discipline. The worst parents are the ones who don't discipline. Now, there's discipline and then there's abuse. But watch this, what the Bible says. Look, for our earthly fathers discipline us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. Holiness is not what you look like on the outside. It's what's going on in your heart. Holiness is not how long your dress is. Holiness is not if you have tattoos or not. Holiness is not if you're wearing a shirt and a tie. Because you could be wearing a shirt and a tie and, 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 and run, a, a, you know, a, a Ponzi scheme. Like you, can, you can look good. Corporate America is the most crooked America in the world. But they wear shirt and ties to, church, to work every single day. You can have tattoo up to your eyeballs and be holy. It's all about what's going on in your heart. Right? Holiness is, is the presence of God in you. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. You ever heard that saying, this is going to hurt me, but it's going to hurt you? You're like, no, I don't believe it. <laughs> but afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. His love trains you in his will. And you can trust his will because you trust his love. So whatever you're going through right now, I don't know what God is doing in your life. But if you can trust his love, then you can trust where you are. Are you following? See, Ari Blackaby said this in the book. And I hope you get the book. It's really powerful. Look, he said this. I never look on circumstances without seeing them on the backdrop of the cross. That's powerful. Do you understand what he's saying? He says, whatever I'm going through, because I know he loves me. I filter every single circumstance through the cross first. If God loves me, then I'm covered. If God loves me, whatever I'm going through, there's a redemptive side to what I'm going through because the cross is a redemptive tool. Like he didn't just go to the cross to forgive your sins. He went to the cross to redeem you, to purchase you back. And so you got to go through the cross. Everything that you're going through, you got to see it that way. That you can never question God's love because the cross is already done. So whatever is happening, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Those who are called according to his purposes. God is working it out in your favor. Why? Because he loves you. And his will for you is good. Can you say amen? So when you experience, get this, I hope you're tracking. When you experience his love, you can experience his trust. And if you can trust him, then you can obey him. There's a domino effect there, right? If I trust that he loves me, then I trust that his will is good for me, then of course I'm going to obey him. I don't obey him out of obligation or burden. I obey him out of love and trust of his will for my life. John goes on to say that. Look at this. He says, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Right? So, so get this. I don't do things to earn God's love. I do them because of God's love. There's a difference. I don't give offering to try to be good with God. I give offering because I'm already good with God. I don't pray to try to get God on my side. I pray because he's already on my side. Right? I don't read the Bible because I'm obligated to read the Bible. I read the Bible because I want to know more about my God and his goodness for my life. 
I don't serve because I'm trying to get, you know, some points in heaven. I serve because I'm already served. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's so good. It's freedom in that. So next time an opportunity comes around you, it's not like, ah, oh, I don't know. Though. <sighs> you ever ask people to do something? It's like, oh. it's like, please don't. We're good. We're good. That's how I feel, honestly, about church. Like, if we have great people here who serve willingly with all their hearts. Like, it's amazing the group of people we have here. But guess what? If oh, they all came in and said, we're good, I'd be like, we're good. Like, someone the other day, not long ago, was like, eh, I, need to t- I need to step down from serving. I say, okay, cool. He goes, oh, that's it? I said, yeah, that's it. What do you want me to say? Try to shame you into serving? What are you doing? Why are you not serving? No, that's the willingness of your heart. Like, you love God. You want to serve. It's not, we don't have to have a conversation about this. Because think about it. If you're going to war, you want people alongside with you who wants to be on the war with you. <laughs> right? You don't want people cr- complaining and grumbling about us trying to win this thing. Because they'll shoot you sooner or later. (laughs) That's too much. That's too deep. God's command is for our own protection and good. There's freedom in his commandments. Because everything that he orchestrates is for your good. I'm running out of time, so watch this. Deuteronomy says this. What does the Lord your God require of you? It requires only that you fear the Lord your God, which is the love and respect and the reverence. And live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own. You think you're doing God a favor? God is giving you a favor. Like, how many of you have an aquarium at home? Let me see if you have an aquarium. Like, no one has an aquarium at home? Right? Or you're not, you know, listen, I'm not going to put you on the spot. I just want to know. See how fearful we are? Do I have an aquarium? I I don't want him to like put me on blast. I'm just trying to make a point. An aquarium is a good boundary for a fish. Fish needs water. It's how God designed fish to live. So if you go home today, you're like, I had a revelation. I need to set this fish free. I would tell you, you're mentally ill. That's who that woman was talking about. Right? No. What do you do? You, you take care of the tank. You clean the tank. And you, and you feed the, the, the fish. Why? Because you know, man, you're within the boundaries of something good for you. And so when you look at God through the lenses of his love and his will, then you see all the commandments as a good thing for you, not something that's holding you back or trying to make you feel less than. No. God is actually trying to make sure that you have a good life. So when he says, don't lie, he doesn't benefit. You do. He's not going, oh, man, he didn't lie today. I feel so better about myself. No, he's saying, like, protect your character, your integrity, because sooner or later you'll be the boy who cry wolf. When he says, don't cheat, who benefits? You do. Because he's saying, man, keep your relationships holy and right. Because why? Because you benefit when it's holy and right. You don't break the trust level. You don't break the integrity. And guess what? If you do that, then, then your kids have a better chance to pass down the right things to them so they can see what a good relationship looks like. And so they're not in that cycle of brokenness like a lot of people are. Every commandment of God is good. 
if you see it through his love and his will and his purpose. So I got to wrap it up. You guys can come up. Listen, we can sum this up this way. The book sums it up this way. Henry Blackaby said, listen, God is love, which means his will is always best. God is all-knowing. His directions are always right. And God is all-powerful. He enables you to accomplish his will. Can you say amen? Have you experienced this love, this unconditional love of God? You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It makes absolutely no sense for God to love us the way he does. Just like it makes no sense for you to love a baby that can't do anything for you, who just showed up in your life and added more bills to your life. It made you work harder. (laughs) But you love that baby unconditionally. Why? Because that's how God tries to show you, this is how I love you. And throughout life, you're going to have to work through all the conditions that you've seen. The conditions of religion. The conditions of parenting. The conditions of certain neighborhood. That people make you feel like you got to earn this. You, you, you better do this or, or you're not in part of the club. And I pray the church becomes a place where it's inclusive. Because the love of God is inclusive. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? All is left to do is to trust his love. You mean to tell me that I just have to trust him even though I've done crazy things? Yes. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. The Bible even says that, that if you confess with your mouth all your sins, he's faithful to forgive you. He's not holding any grudges. He's waiting to release his goodness and peace and love. Augustine, 4th century theologian, said something powerful. He said, when you love God, you'll do whatever you want. That will mess you up. What do you mean you do whatever? You can't do whatever you want. What if you love God? The love of God is in you. His will is in you. His commandments is in you. So everything that you do is going to go back to his will and his love and his purpose. Like You can't go wrong. If you love God, you'll do whatever you want. Because the love of God in you is not going to make you do things that doesn't honor God. As opposed to the fear-based religion. How far am I from hell? (laughs) What a sad way to live. When the love of God is available to all. So are you ready to trust that today? Not your resume, not your pedigree, but are you ready to trust the love of the Father. I want to pray for everybody today, not just for some people. If you're ready to receive the love of God, would you be a good receiver today? Would you lift your hands and say, Lord, I want you to fill me with your love. I want to thank you for listening today, and I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God. And uh, hope to see you soon.